the Ensley What If Insurance Podcast, where we have in-depth discussions with everyone from apprentices and university leavers to board members and CEOs and ask them what if to help demystify the insurance industry, making it easy to understand how and why you might want to pursue a career in insurance. What were your first thoughts about moving into insurance? I mean, the perception of insurance is that it's slow, that it yeah. doesn't want to change, that it's full of men in grey suits. I see insurance as well playing a, a large force for good. Um, stop the jargon. It's particularly intimidating, I think, for people as an industry trying to become more customer-centric and help people understand what they're paying for as well. I was about to use an acronym then and I thought, I'll stop <laughs> myself. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, it's, it's, it's like that difficult. elephant in the room that you just you can't get on top of. That's yeah. your worst mistake. How did you overcome um, it? Probably. To ease us in, I'm just going to ask you a few icebreaker questions, a little bit about you to get to know you as a person before we delve into the insurance side of things. Um, firstly, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ah, um, I wanted to um, I wanted to work for the United Nations, which is, sounds very very highfalutin. Most people want to be a, a fireman or a nurse or something, but um, I suppose got that kind of inspiration from my father. So he he worked with the UN at different times and didn't know exactly what I wanted to do at the UN, but the UN was kind of high in my aspirations. Yeah, so just no, no idea where you wanted to work. No. Just you saw that in your dad and thought yeah. that kind of seems yeah. quite. Seems quite good. Yeah. What were you What were you up to when you were eighteen? What were you doing then? When I was eighteen, um, so because my dad did work for the UN, um, we lived in a few different countries, which I, th- I think has really impacted me actually as an individual. Um, and so I, I finished school. I did my A levels when I was sixteen. So when I was eighteen, I was two years through my university degree, um, and I was doing my Erasmus year in Granada in Spain. So wow. quite quite a nice year. Yeah, uh, sounds in sounds high flying from. The get-go? Um, well, I, I'm not sure high-flying from living <laughs> a student in Spain. I, I think my weekly allowance was about £40 a week, but I'm probably showing my age. No, that's <laughs> so fine. you could live on that. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. Mm. Um, how would your friends describe you? Um, they probably describe me as quite curious, um, but also determined. So um, I do... I do like to challenge the status quo from time to time, um, which might come as a surprise actually to most people if they think about the insurance world. Um, but yeah, curious. And I think a friend of mine, uh, we did one of these exercises when you find out about each other, and she said my word was wonder. So yeah. That's mm. uh, that's really nice. Mm. I think that, yeah, that <clears throat> ties in quite well. It's probably quite a good quality in your role and in insurance in general to be curious and challenging. Mm for things um, as well. Um, would, what is your biggest pet peeve? Um, passive aggressiveness. I just, as a as a trait in people, as a trait that you see in business, I just really struggle with it. I don't struggle with people having problems with anything because, you know, uh, we, we all do in our personal or our professional lives, but when people are passive aggressive and just not able to either own their issue or own the problem, I, I, I really, really struggle with that. Yeah. What do you, where do you think that has come from? Do you think you've... I don't know. I, I think it's just I, I, I quite like authenticity in people and openness. And yeah. I think, you know, it's really, really hard to work if, if people are in the grey all the time. Which And passive aggressiveness is one of those traits where it's not black, it's not white. And so you can't respond to it. It's just mm. grey and kind of quite quite overpowering in teams um, yeah. and, and, and not good for the work environment. 
And most of the time, everyone knows exactly what's happening, but no one can address it because the person hasn't addressed yeah. it themselves. So it's, it's like it that elephant in the room that you just you can't get on top of. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that peeve. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, and I think to just start off, you've touched already on having grown up in different countries, and I know that you moved around, and then you were obviously in Granada in Spain when you were eighteen. And I think you moved around with your career as well. Mm-hmm. So what was your early life what were your parents like how did you how did you grow up and what were you interested in um yeah um i I quite always quite sporty um done a lot of water sports all my life um skiing so you know i'm quite active person um my parents are quite active um so my father worked with with the United Nations, but it, he was actually an army officer. So uh, I suppose quite structured in his approach. Uh, my mother was in the medical profession, so she um, I, I was quite an outgoing person. Mm. And actually, if I think about her, you know, she was aeromedding around the world in her younger career. Um, she dared to be different, mm. and I think it's something that really is rubbed off on me actually. Um, and I think as females, it's really good to have some sort of role model, be it one of your parents or, or be it someone that you look up to. Absolutely. Mm. Have you found any other kind of female role models as you've gone through your career that have yeah. stood out for you? Yeah. Um, I suppose one of my um, what, what do you call it? Uh, a girly crush um, is um, Christine Lagarde. I just think she is wonderful. So you know French. Um, so she's got that. Je ne sais quoi. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, first finance minister um, and and led uh, France in, in France and, and led France through the the global crisis um, back in sort of two thousand seven, mm-hmm. um, and currently president of the ECB. And she's just she's comes across so poised, so polished, but you know, uh, very human. Yeah. Um, I, I just think she's amazing. And that's the thing, especially with women, I think you have to, you want to be a good businesswoman, but also be a good, a a woman and have that kind of, you know, poise or class or human humanity to you, which often Mm. it seems like there's a, you have to choose between the two, but you, um, it's, yeah, it's good. There's a lot of women in business that achieve both of those things. So your early days um, so you said you did your A-levels when you were 16, which is amazing. And so you're off to university at 16 or mm-hmm. 18. Yeah. 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 Um, what, what did you study at university? Um, I did politics with French and Spanish. Um, so hence the Erasmus here in Spain. Yeah. Because um, that was my primary. And then... Um, yeah, after university, because I graduated at 20, um, didn't quite have an appetite for a proper job at that stage. So um, went off and did two ski seasons, which was amazing, because again, it's a passion of mine. Um, lived in the States for a year, and, and then I went back and did a master's in, uh, in marketing management. So, um, yeah. Great. Mm. What made you decide to do marketing management? What word do you... I don't know, it just kind of came to me. I suppose, you know, the, the original degree, politics with the languages, I've always loved languages, but um, the politics thing was probably that hangover of thinking I was going to work for the UN. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, uh, you know, as, as you progress and as you mature a little bit, I, I just didn't, I didn't think I wanted to work in politics. No. I didn't think I wanted to work for the UN. I wanted to do something a little bit more dynamic. And, and I think that's what you get in a business um, sort of profession. Absolutely, and create the creativity side of it as well. I think it comes yeah. into it a bit. Yeah. Do you, do you think though your politics degree has had any impact on you now, either as a person or in, in the way that you um, do things? No, not particularly. Um, You're no. quite young, I suppose. I was quite young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, arguably, you're sort of learning by rote. <laughs> yeah, that makes, a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, probably helps with. Um, you know, any university degree does with 
you know, public speaking or presenting and stuff like that. It's just confidence. It's confidence mm -hmm. in in any subject. I kind of think for for undergraduates, it doesn't matter what you what you study, um, but it's the it's the rigor around it. Really. Yeah, yeah. I suppose the ski seasons as well would have helped that yeah. confidence build because yeah. you definitely have to be. Or it's dropping you in the deep end, meeting people, living yeah. abroad, all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you still ski? I do still ski. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, That's and cool. and you know, to, to your point around the ski seasons, you know, I had to do an avalanche evacuation in one of my ski seasons, which was amazing. It was an avalanche coming down the mountain. I had to move eighty people, and you know, I was twenty or twenty-one or something. So yeah, um, yeah. You've probably hypothetically done that since in 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 various roles, trying to yeah. move everyone out the way of an avalanche in some way, which yeah. is good. So where you did your masters in in marketing yeah. management mm -hmm. marketing management yeah and where did things where did it take you where did you yeah. go next so um decided then I probably should get a proper job I think I was I think I was nearly 24 at that stage um and I went to work in FMCG so I my first job my first proper job was at Procter & Gamble um in Weybridge so that's when I came to the UK first um yeah and I was there for a few years um you know amazing company but probably a little bit too structured for me um, mm. because it, you know that whole daring to be different kind of is me and and that you know they've got billion dollar brands that they need to protect so um, was then attracted to the travel industry where yeah. I stayed for about 11 years um, and it was a very interesting time in in the travel industry in that you know it was a time um, of aggregation so you know things like Expedia last minute etc popped up um, digitization and also that whole piece around sort of customer is king so um, TripAdvisor popped up at the same time. So the actual whole industry went through an enormous amount of change, mm. um, which of course I was, I was loving. <laughs> um, and I worked for a global company, so I had um, the opportunity to work on some global roles, uh, but also spend a year in, in Australia, in Melbourne, which was fantastic. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. That's, so you kept the travelling up there. Yeah. We haven't mentioned, but you grew up in Ireland. Yes. And then yeah. so you'd come over to the UK and yeah. then had been moving around yeah. with roles since then. Yeah. Yeah. Were you in marketing roles? Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, mainly um, data and, and CRM roles yeah. um, and a bit of digital towards the end. Um, and yeah, did, did a whole project around um, digitization. Of, of the whole process okay. so uh, yeah it was, it was an interesting time that's a great yeah. thing what is there anything that you look back on fondly of those kind of early days in your career um, or would have done differently would have done differently no I, I must say one of our conferences was held in a ski resort <laughs> <laughs> so if I was going to think fondly so you just yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean I suppose career wise there was just I, I worked with some great people you know yeah. and, and I think it's people that make the difference so I have some great memories and I will say I grew up in that company so I was there for 11 years yeah. um, and it was fantastic yeah. it's always people as well that really yeah. create a culture too yeah. and yeah that makes so then is that when after being there for 11 years mm -hmm. working in the travel industry living in melbourne is that where your insurance related that's, career starts yeah, yeah that's when the insurance trajectory started so i guess 10 years this year yeah um, first went into insurance in 2013 um an opportunity arose um at axa axa in the uk um and it was it was around direct and retail partnerships so 
um, I guess what was happening in the insurance industry had happened to the travel industry. Um, that thing about, you know, customer is king, aggregation. So aggregators have been huge in the UK for a long time. Um, and even, you know, who would have thought customer reviews? I mean, it just didn't mm. happen um, in the insurance industry. So I was working in a, a retail aspect of, um, of AXA. Um, I had a great boss um, who wanted things to change. Uh, and it was just, it was great to be able to use my skill set from different industry in the insurance industry. So yeah. So when you were first either looking for a job or offered the job, mm. what were your first thoughts about moving from travel into insurance? Um, I mean, the perception of insurance is that it's slow, that it yeah. doesn't want to change, that it's full of men in grey suits. Um, and, you know, I, I was talking to, because, you know, a sort of 11-year um, tenure in one company, I thought, well, you know, I don't want to go abroad again, so what else can I do? So I've been talking to some headhunters, and they said, have a discussion with this guy. And I just really liked the person. I think, you know, you can do as much research about a company, and, and you should, obviously, um, but it's around the person. And I, you know, I, I met as the, the chap that I said was a, a great boss, and I just thought he wants to change. He, mm. he wants to do things differently. Um, and yeah, so I was attracted in. Again, it's always the people that kind yeah. of keeps keep you in something and, yeah. and make it make it better, which is which is good. So, in those, do you think those myths around mm. insurance that you kind of had in your head beforehand? Mm. Are there other are there others have those been squashed for you? Or are there any other yeah. other myths? That yeah, exist? I mean, I think as I said, ten years. Um, I've seen insurance change quite radically, probably in the, in, the, in that period. It's always been data-based, uh, um, but I suppose the data that was used and the modeling that was used was largely actuarial. Um, and even during my time at AXA, it was marrying up customer data with actuarial data. Mm -hmm. So less predicting the future by only looking at the past, but actually predicting the future, which you, know, they ha you have to do in insurance, um, based on customer indicators as well. Um, so really a, a sort of a modern adaptation of um, actuarial science. Um, I see insurance as well playing a large force for good and it's something yeah. that um, David Howden who is the the ultimate owner I suppose of Ensley as part of the Howden group um, he t he talks about you know insurance being a force for good and um, be it the ESG credentials um, be it some of the stuff that insurance mm -hmm. enables in the world yeah. um, it, it really has started to change I think yeah more of an outside-in look I think as well there's there is more creativity in the business that mm. people put that people realize yeah. there's that there's a lot more creatives working it within it in roles but also how it can be a force for good and yeah. how you can be creative with the with insurance and working with people as well yeah. so I, I agree where do, where do you think so you talked about the past 10 years how much mm. it's changed yeah. where do you see things going what do you see happening in the future mm. in insurance um I think it will increasingly become personalized and, and more automated um you know in the 10 years i've worked in insurance people have always talked about making it easy mm. um i don't think insurance is yet easy either for the common man on the street or for for businesses to navigate but i think there's an awful lot of focus on that now um people understand that the clients have choices um and that they actually need to respond to that so to, to make it easy um and then you know you talk about automation and people think oh robotics and but actually the, the automation and everything being based in data will make it more personalised um, for, um, 
for people's insurance needs, which are wider than just the one product they might buy. Yeah. Uh, you know, more about insuring the person or the business as opposed to just the the one product need. Yeah, that makes that makes mm -hmm. sense. When you were so obviously you're at, you're at Ensley now, mm -hmm. CEO at Ensley. What was your role at um, your previous? Uh, You've yeah. been in one previous place, weren't you, before? Um, no, so two, two different insurers, two. actually, before um, Ensley. So um, until this role, I've always worked in different marketing roles. Um, <clears throat> so prior to this, I was with Cigna, uh, which is healthcare, a big US health um, insurance company. But I was in the international market side. So mm -hmm. um, looking after um, a, a number of accounts across different territories, um, including Africa and the IGO NGO space, which wow. somehow I managed to work with the UN because <laughs> one of our clients was the United Nations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I was uh, CMO there, so Chief Marketing Officer, um, and then AXA, different titles, the same thing, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, uh, leading, leading up the marketing customer functions. Yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening might be thinking about a marketing role and then potentially not have considered something around insurance yeah. as a as a marketeer by mm -hmm. by you know for, for a long time uh, what do you think makes it different being working in marketing within insurance roles versus your previous roles yeah um i suppose previous roles started out you know as i said fmcg uh, huge big brands that you need to maintain the brand um yes innovation around customer but but really really focused on the brand um travel margins are thin so mm. you just don't have the money to play with <laughs> um and insurance it's not it's not fat cat stuff but there is an investment in having the right marketing but to make it a lot more relevant to the customer mm. so uh, there's a lot around digitization so again if people are thinking about careers in, in digital um you know very data driven and i think marketing is more of a data-driven science nowadays yeah. um so again you know there's plenty of data in uh, in insurance um, so yeah it's it is actually a good place to have a marketing career um, and there's good progression as well so you, you know you've got large companies you've got small companies um, there's, there's different uh, different options really yeah have you come have you had any challenges or, or um, issues that have come up either in role because of it being insurance mm -hmm. potentially being a woman in in your um, career in insurance that mm -hmm. You can talk a little bit about um, and, and I, I certainly have never felt intimidated being on no. insurance. Um, there are a surprising number of, maybe not enough, but there are a surprising number of uh, women in senior roles in insurance. Um, and within the Houghton Group, which Ensley is part of, um, there, there's an awful lot of senior females actually, um, and, and not just senior, but through through the organisation. So um, I do think that it's it's more gender diversified than people would again it's probably a conception about the insurance industry that it's not diversified um but there there are a lot of um female employees yeah that's that's good to hear mm -hmm. if you were the only one i'd be a little bit a bit worried <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for everybody um what a question that i was thinking around pe people insurance what should everyone that works in insurance either stop or start doing more yeah um, stop the jargon. I mean, mm. it's not just insurance that's guilty of this. You know, be it banking, be it FMCG, whatever. Um, everyone in every industry gets sucked into their industry. But insurance, because people don't really understand it, is is particularly intimidating. I think for people, as as we as an industry try to become more customer centric and help people understand what they're paying for, because it's quite an ephemeral concept. Yeah. It's you're paying against risk of future. Um, you know 
catastrophe, really. Um, so, you know, stop stop the jargon, start talking in plain language, especially policy documents, because, you know, if I'm honest, they confuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and start telling those stories, um, I think, as an industry. Um, people, it's getting better, but people have been shy about telling their stories, even mm. if it's been insurance all their lives. Their, their, their careers have probably changed quite dramatically as the industry's changed. Um, and so just, just more yeah. more humanism, more people talking about what they do and, and how to get into the industry. Yeah. I agree. Mm. I swear also that humanism with the stories of the people that have been supported through what we do yeah. in insurance, because mm -hmm. I think they are stories of real people that have had really serious impacts that that insurance has helped to yeah. minimize so yeah storytelling and humanizing i think everyone can agree is a yeah. is a, is a good thing and definitely stopping with the jargon yes it's it's um yeah incredibly incredibly difficult um would you, do you have any advice for anyone that's looking to start out in insurance about what they can you know, find yeah. out um i would say to don't don't limit your thinking about what is possible. Yeah. Um, an insurance company is the same as any other company. So it will have finance roles, it will have data roles, it will have marketing roles. Um, so so any anything you're specializing in, there's probably a role. Um, an awful lot of companies, including Ensley, does do um, you know student placements, um, mm -hmm. be that out of university or be it just you know uh, or be it interns um, that come into the company and, and learn on the job. So there's don't limit your thinking about there's only one way in um there's only one option once you're in there um think about you know get in contact with insurance companies find out yeah. a, a lot of the websites are really good about develop you know attracting people and and helping them understand how to get in um so yeah just don't limit your thinking and and think about alternate ways to get in rather than you have to be an actuary Absolutely. you have to have studied maths just not true I think something, especially as a marketeer, you can work in marketing and work in insurance. You can choose a role, you can choose the industry, and there's yeah. there's a variety of roles within it, which I think is important for for people to realise and growing as well. Yes. You know, more digitisation, yeah. more around um, uh, corporate social responsibility as well. I was about to use an acronym then, and I thought, I'll stop <laughs> don't, myself. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think it would be great as well. We've talked a little bit about the insurance industry, but talking about your role. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, you know, heading up uh, an insurance broker, what, what did you find the most difficult when you came into the role yeah. as a CEO? Yeah. What's been the most challenging I change? Other than starting in June 2020, when we were in yeah. lockdown, <laughs> which was uh, quite a challenge, new role, new type of role, and, uh, and then no one there. Um, so I guess... Um, looking across everything um but also just adapting to the fact so so you know someone's asked me I was, i've been sort of uh, tutoring someone in my team who was thinking about developing into a ceo and the question was well how do you know everything and i said well if i knew everything i couldn't do my job mm -hmm. so actually an awful lot of the job is getting the right people around you with the right skill sets to, to deliver on the the chosen strategy and then empowering them to do their job yeah. So that means, yes, sometimes I wake up, uh, you know, on a Saturday morning and go, oh, God, how about that thing? But, you know, having trust in your people, empowering people and then trusting that they're going to get it done. Yeah. Um, 
So that's probably been, and across so much, you know, across, you know, finance, across, uh, you know, not just marketing, which is a, you know, obviously a comfort zone for myself, but um, across the whole piece. Um, but being surrounded by great people, um, it's a great culture at Ensley, so yeah, I've yeah. been quite lucky. That, that's good. Mm. And it's small enough that you can know, know most people that are here. Yeah. And I like that about delegate. If you don't know something, get someone in the role that does know yeah. it. it yeah. People under, should know more than you do about their yeah. you know, specific bits. Yeah. Um, you talked a bit about, you know, company culture at, at Ensley. Mm. What do you think makes a great company culture? Um, I think that, that piece about empowerment mm. and, and then the flip side of an empowered workforce is that they feel accountable and there's uh, and these are all sort of jargony words but the accountability piece for me it's around this pride this pride in the company and this pride in what what people are doing um so you know every single person in the company has got something to deliver which they should feel personally proud to deliver which then sort of aggregates up because yeah. no one person can do everything so I, I kind of think, you know, recognising, rewarding people um, is really important so that people do feel that sense of pride um, and a very clear strategy. Because if yeah. people don't know where they're going, um, you get lost. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's communication yeah. part, as part of it. Yeah. I, I agree. And you mentioned as well, as part of talking to someone in your team that was thinking about being a CEO, have you ever had a mentor? Has yeah. anyone ever mentored you? Yeah, I had, I had a great mentor. Um, and it was, a, it was a person who's probably 20 years my senior, um, a, a man in, in the travel industry. And he he was just wise. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there, there were certain things that, and, and, you know, continued to mentor me uh, unofficially, um, even after I left the, the travel industry. Um, but I could just go to him with things. And he'd kind of done it and seen it. And, um, and I think... A good mentor-mentee relationship. You trust each other and you respect yeah. each other, uh, and and there was that. So yeah, I still know that person to this day. I mean, that sounds. How do you go about finding a mentor? Do you uh, if there isn't an official channel? No, and I, I I think um, I think ment mentor-mentee relationships can form for different reasons. I suppose with with him, it was more about career and development mm. and choices that I might 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 be making. But another mentor I had was um, he was the financial controller at the time, because I guess in my mind um, I was doing a marketing role at that stage, and I thought. Somewhere in my mind, I thought I would love to lead a business at some point, but I, I, I had seen business leaders, and I think it's very interesting actually, at a either a junior or a mid level in your career, you you see things happening, um, and they might be people, which in my instance, this is the story, um, seeing business leaders use financial jargon, but in the wrong way, and yeah. they just look a little bit silly. <laughs> um, so I, I got a financial controller as my mentor, but it was very it was very specific. Mm. I wanted to understand the role of finance. I wanted to understand how finance works, because it, it's not maths. Yeah. <laughs> we think we understand it, but it's so not. Um, so that was that was very time bound. Uh, you know, he was my mentor for about three months, and we, we worked through specific things. But it, I think to make good relationship work, you should meet up, you should discuss what, what you as the mentee want and can the mentor answer to that and then agree, how are you gonna do it? Yeah. And is there a bit of chemistry? Because, you know, people are very different. If, if you can't get on with the person, because um, it shouldn't be so structured that it feels like being at school. You know, there has to be a need to fun be someone, to be about it. Yeah, well. you need to trust yeah. them as well and have yeah. kind of, um, yeah, fun with it. Do you, do, it sounds like you, did you seek that out? Or yeah. did someone yeah. advise yeah. you to do that? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's a great kind of 
thing to look at if yeah. you see a role that you could imagine doing in the future looking at what they are doing right and what they're doing wrong yeah. Yeah. and what then looking at where yeah. you are and what you what gaps you need to fill yeah. how would you would you have any advice for someone that thinks right I want to get into x kind of role but I don't have these skill sets or I don't have you know mm. this confidence what's um what kind of ways could you men- get a mentor or shadow someone or yeah. other things yeah um, if they're already in the business, or yeah, or outside yeah. of it, are there any resources yeah. that someone could could look to? Potentially? Yeah, um, I think LinkedIn is always quite a good resource yeah. because you might think, well, I couldn't possibly do that job, but actually, um, you, you could find someone with similar jobs and have a look at what their career path was. So, um, I read a thing actually on LinkedIn recently, and it said. Um, and this is probably a little bit sexist the, the other way, but it said men will apply for a job with uh, 10% of the credentials, whereas women won't even apply for I it if they that. don't have 90% of the credentials. So sometimes it's take a chance because you might not think you've got everything that you require for the job or the application, but it's about interpreting what the requirements are. So um, if I was to give an example, let's say you're applying for a marketing role, but you'd had a, you know, you'd worked in, in a different type of role, but maybe done something around communications. In your application, it's just about bringing forward, you know, that actually you have done some communications with people or using your examples from school or from college or from university, because yeah. you do a lot actually when, when you're in, you know, education um, that can be brought into the workplace. So just, think carefully about what you do have and not focus on what you don't have yeah I really like that because I think especially with women that you just see an amount of words and look at which ones you you match up with instead of thinking outside of the box about your personal life when you've done had examples of doing exhibiting certain skills look and and I I think as well for women coming back into the workforce after having children um, again you know certain uh, an awful lot of companies now will look at that and say well actually there's a lot of prioritisation and a lot of other skill sets they would have used um, just to get through that first bit of craziness and they have been working just domestic work which is potentially you know harder in some ways so yeah yeah, managing a team of children is probably a little bit more chaotic than the team at Ensley um I think uh, at the moment in your role at the moment what's the favorite part what's your favorite part of your job and what's your least favorite but we'll start with favorite Uh, favorite um Dealing with people, I mean, I, I, I love interacting with um, the employees, um, with our partners, um, with, with clients, and as much as my, uh, my client-facing staff will allow me to, to meet <laughs> with clients, um, I keep asking to go out and client visits. They're too um, scared, probably. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, that's really, really insightful. And actually taking the time, I recently did a whole series of sort of skip-level uh, meetings with people who aren't my direct reports, but who work in the business. And I think that's... It's super important to hear, to actually hear what is going on in the business because sometimes when you're in a position of leadership, people tell you what they think you want to hear mm-hmm. as opposed to what's really going on. And um, I have actually seen that going very wrong for someone in, in my um, in my career. Um, you know, the person lost touch with the business and the business failed. You know, so, yeah. so things like that can happen. So to me, listening to, to the employees, um, client interaction, I, I love when I'm allowed to go out and see a client because what you actually hear in an hour's meeting, um, you know, it's, it's really valuable. So, yeah. Really enjoy that. Oh, it sounds. It sounds. I'm actually interested because you because you mentioned around you know some people telling you what you want to hear. Mm. Is that something that happens with 
seniority and and have you ever felt like people are, have you ever felt the impact of that of feeling that that you're not really understanding you said that you yeah. someone's it's gone wrong for someone before that yeah. you're aware of yeah. but you've done the skip level feedback but yeah. is it sounds like it's a need to have a company culture that's super open yeah because yeah. otherwise it you know you could be really out. i've seen it happen as well yeah with ceos before that just had no idea no and um i mean i'm i'm a great fan of um not closing yourself up in an office there are times when you have to have confidential you know discussions on the phone but jump into a meeting room I you know I, mm. I sit out on the floor and and I actually like it you know I, I the things you overhear you know going to a shared kitchen you know again yeah. I've worked with people who don't make themselves their own cup of tea and I kind of think it's really yeah. important to just hear things um and and our company culture is such that sometimes they don't care that I'm there they're still talking about stuff and I'm like oh really yeah <laughs> Uh, but you know it, it's great uh, yeah. and, and so people really is my kind of favorite thing but that's about yeah. Job, yeah I completely agree it makes a company mm. and the people that you work with clients as well it's yeah. the same sort of thing that, yeah. that it makes a massive impact um, what's your what's your least favorite my least part? favorite thing um, probably the um, the admin mm. you know the um, yeah sort of the stuff that needs to be done yeah that I kind of you know you need to do it as 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 a director of a company, um, but you know does it does it add a tremendous amount of value? I suppose it keeps us safe, it keeps us resilient. But you know, I, I'd rather be creating value. Yeah. Um, do you think that's insurance specific or, no, or just no, role? No, yeah, no, every, that's yeah. Everywhere would have that yeah. same mm. same issue. Yeah. And uh, do you, you what I was actually thinking about what a typical day would look like for you mm, because mm. I see you in the office and you know you're 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 very present mm. um but what would a typical day be yeah um it, it really depends um tend to have quite a lot of meetings um <laughs> as everyone does yeah. it's, we, we've just got a meeting culture don't we um I tried to be quite um rigorous with myself though do I really need to be there so um we've recently gone through quite, quite a lot of change that was very intense in the meeting front to make sure that everything went through um in the right way but um increasingly as we're going into sort of growing the company and trading in the company I take a bit of a step back um but yeah meetings with with you know people with um with partners so obviously as an insurance broker we need to have close relationships with our insurer partners um but yeah, I, I tried to keep a bit free, um, tried to keep my lunch break booked out yeah. for half an hour, just in case I want a bit of fresh air. Um, but yeah, I don't like, you know, back to back meetings. I, I just don't think it's tremendously productive. Yeah. But I do try and maximise my time in the office to try and get um, people because we work hybrid um, here. I, I don't personally adhere to the two, three, but, you know, I, I think that's that's just being flexible. Mm. I, I prefer to be in sort of three or four days um, just because I, I like to see human beings um, rather than just being stuck on teams calls absolutely um, as we have all been <laughs> for the last few years yeah and yeah. it makes you more of a physical yeah. presence for everyone as well yeah and leading by example i think is a massive yeah. massive part of it yeah. um do, do you find yourself you mentioned the kind of things that you'd be working on do you find mm. yourself solely on one type of project that's you know, to do with how to do with end is a business. Yeah. Are there any projects that you wish you could be doing more? Have you mentioned wanting to see clients more, which yeah. I think is is valid. Yeah. But if you could um, do any other role in Ensley, if you weren't CEO, what would you? Yeah. What do you think you'd want um, to be doing? I suppose. I, 
I do genuinely appreciate the variety of my role. So, you know, I say there's meetings, but I mean, the type of meetings are very different. So, you know, um, being part of the CSR committee is, is something new for yeah. me. So someone's recently left, so, so I've taken that on. Um, I'm really delighted to be part of that. Um, seeing more clients would be great. Um, and then for more strategic projects, as we're starting to get them off the ground, um, I will take sort of a leadership role and sponsor the project. So actually mm. getting into what we're doing as a business to help grow our business. Um, and to me, that feels very real, yeah. um, as opposed to just always living in, in PowerPoints and reports and whatever. Um, and and as we explore the world of Howden, where you know, we're relatively new to that group, um, meeting some of my colleagues there and seeing how they can add value to, to the Ensley business is is something that I really appreciate as well because yeah. it's them putting people in contact and the kind of relationships I've seen between Ensley people and, and Howden people are just fantastic. You know, it's it's true value creation for the business, but really solving clients' needs as well, where their their insurance needs are more diverse than Ensley can service. But as as a group, we can we can really give a client an enhanced client experience. I think that, that uh, the the power of, of more people and more exper knowledge, experience, kind of specialities is is a good thing to have to have um, for NC as well. Is there what's the kind of biggest challenge you're facing at the moment, mm -hmm. um, and and what you're kind of doing to, to work? Yeah, um, probably probably one of the things that people may may not think about with the um, you know cost of living and inflationary um, market that we're in at the moment is the cost of claims. They are going mm. up. And obviously with that, as a broker, we're very mindful of um, cost of insurance for our clients, but we also have to work with insurers and insurers' um, appetite for higher risk, um, and this sounds a little bit jargony, but higher risk insurance um, either decreases or it becomes more expensive. Mm -hmm. So I suppose for us, it's trying to balance client affordability so can they afford to, to buy the insurance with the commercial needs of an, of an insurer so you know it's tricky because if, if there is a claim in you know if I was to say a large school for example that's a lot of money and the cost of repair the cost of materials everything has gone up um, but actual you know revenue into again example of a school hasn't particularly gone up so you know yeah. it's just trying to work with clients and and our insurance providers it's probably it's tricky for for everyone in the industry at the moment yeah i think you're that's a big thing to to point out is that it's everyone struggling yeah. in different ways so you're also managing your client and the care for the school yeah. in that example and the insurer and us as a business yeah. or NC as a business so that you're trying to balance all of those things yeah. which is um hopefully will get will ease up yes over time yes but seems yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a lot at the at the moment yeah um i you might not have you might not have one which i wouldn't wouldn't put it past you but have you ever made a mistake especially in your insurance career what's your worst mistake and how did you <laughs> overcome um, it probably my worst mistake um, was actually it was in my in, when I was in the travel industry was um, again I'll show my age of this one I was, I was doing marketing and we did a direct mail piece um, out to out to our clients and um, I was responsible for signing off and uh, it was the wrong phone number. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, so you know, we did have a website, we did have emails, but it was the wrong phone number. And but I, I suppose. Um a bit of a disaster. I was actually at home with the flu at that day and I got a phone call going, it was the wrong phone number on the DM piece. And I thought, oh, Christ, what do I do? I said, I shouldn't swear better. Um, um, but 
I owned it and I, you know, I worked with my IT colleagues. We actually went and bought a phone number because you could do that in those days. It was one of those 0800 numbers, whatever. But it was just one of those, like you'd sent out 50,000 pieces. It cost yeah. a fortune and actually the, we were, the business wasn't going to get any value from it. But it was, I was ill as well. You couldn't have made it up. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's, I think as well, the things like that will always stay with yeah. you, even if it had been way smaller. And compared yeah. to what you're now responsible for, yeah. I think it's pretty minor, but you'll never mm. forget it. The no. feeling of dread yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think everyone has it at some point um and it's good to know that you're not exempt from no, from that no, feeling no, at no. any point um i think as well we've spoken a lot about you and your career but are there any other brands that you really look to that are, are doing things right that you think yeah fondly of I've, I've always been a big fan of British Airways. Yeah. I just could, well, I, I use them quite a bit. And, and you uniform. They're a uniform, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, and they, they constantly, they kind of, I suppose they're a bit like insurance because they hold that tag of being a little bit fuddy-duddy. Because mm. some people think BA is really fuddy-duddy, but I just think they're brilliant at the basics. You know, they've got a really good app that works, that notifies you about your flights, that tells you about other things that you can buy, should you wish to, but it's not a hard sell. Um, you know, and as, as you said about the uniform, you know, they're continuing to innovate and respond. Yeah. Um, T5 is a joy <laughs> to go through, um, not least thought because of the shops. Um, you know, so, so for, for an old fashioned brand, I do think they do a really good job yeah. actually. And it's completely underplayed. I agree. And they don't mm. try and be, uh, they're, they're themselves even when innovating. So yeah. that, you know, I mean, I'm going on about the uniform, but yeah. it's still a British Airways uniform, yeah. but it's just been, you know, designed by a tailor. And, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's innovating within the space that they know that they can own yeah, really yeah. well. Yeah. Um, which I really like. And yeah. I like the comparison with insurance of it's insurance, yeah. it doesn't get away from that with yeah. protecting you and the risks to your business or your per you personally, mm. but there's innovation within that. Yeah, yeah. That and you know, there's there's places to go mm. with that. Um so I think I think we might be we might be nearing mm -hmm. nearing the end of our of our chat through things but I think it would be there's a couple of questions kind of to, to finish off that I thought okay. is there any advice that you would have given your younger self thinking about mm -hmm. where you are now when you were 16 mm -hmm. about to go off to university which I can't believe I'm saying so it seems so young <laughs> I couldn't do anything but, else at 16 yeah, it wasn't because yeah. I was a prodigy literally <laughs> I, I, I googled everything you know, I did google in those days but I investigated yeah. everything but going to university was the only thing I could really that was do your, that was your way to the UN yes you got to in the end <laughs> sort did. of yeah <laughs> But yeah, what, is there any advice that you would have given yourself? Um, I, I suppose just trust the process a little bit. You yeah. know, um, I think, you know, if I think back, back through my career, probably like everyone, you doubt yourself a little bit at certain points, probably that early to mid career. Um, and, and just, you know, trust it'll happen. You know, you, mm. you, you need to put in the work, you need to stay focused, you need to stay alert and, and and observe um, where you want to go, how you're going to get there and stuff, but just sort of trust the process a little bit more and don't doubt yourself. Yeah, mm. I think I think that's mm. really valuable. Mm. If there was anyone that was trying to either get into a role as a CEO mm -hmm. or a role within insurance, mm. are there any, any professional tools or kind or advice um, that people could start doing now to, to, to help with their yeah. career? Um, as I said earlier, I think LinkedIn is a great resource yeah. um, just to have a look at the type of roles, the type of industries. Um, because even if you look at the insurance industry, for example, you know, there are insurers, there are insurance brokers, there is insure tech. 
Um, you know, there's all sorts of different, um, you know, bits of insurance that you can you can look to get into. So just do your research. Um, yeah. Every industry, be it insurance or other industries, has got their own um, professional publications. So in insurance, there's the Insurance Times, there's the Insurance Age, etc. Um, you know, put whatever you want, architect, in front of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's always the same. Um, and, and read some of the stories. Find out how the people got in um, and, and just plot your own way. Yeah, I think I'd add that to say you don't need to know everything about insurance to start working in the industry. If you find a role that you really love the look of, yeah. whether that's in design or whether it's in yeah. you know something financial, that there's that there's a role there. Um, and I think is it what's the biggest takeaway you hope for listeners to get from this conversation? Mm-hmm. Is there anything we've missed that you want to make sure yeah. we get out there? Um, I suppose there's not one way into insurance, so you know, think think wide. Um, as said, different different flavors of insurance, um, and also different careers with insurance. You know, anything from you know, research and insight um, to actuarial, if you're looking at the more traditional, to, to marketing, uh, finance, etc. So don't limit your interpretation of what the insurance mm-hmm. industry can do and does do. Um, and I think once in, if you do decide to come into the insurance industry, just challenge, challenge the status quo. Um, there's a lot of businesses that, that still need, like most industries to be fair, not just insurance, but you know, make your voice heard. And I think, you know, that would be my advice to to younger people um, coming into any industry. Um, don't doubt yourself, make yeah. your voice heard because actually you've, you've got a brilliant voice, you've got a brilliant mind and you see things that, you know, people my age don't. So, um, you know, yeah. just make sure you're heard. I think that's really, that's really valuable for people to hear because it, you, it isn't a kind of set structured industry where you can't shake things up if you want to. Um, has, has there been just to, to finish has there been a, uh, an achievement personally or professionally of yours mm-hmm. that you're really proud of that yeah. kind of um probably professionally this role I've you know yeah. um I've been really I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to lead Ensley um we've gone through a lot of change and now we're focused back on sort of core competencies but um the, the change that we we and I don't take credit for it but you know as a team we have achieved uh, I just think you know it's a fantastic job turning around a business mm-hmm. um and then personally, um, probably my little boy. So I've got one little boy and um, had him a little bit later in life. Um, so in my early 40s and um, having a happy, healthy child. So and being able to yeah. balance both because um, you do need to make sacrifices, but that you can actually balance both. Yeah, so, yeah. that makes that's good to hear as well, especially. Mm. And it sounds like you've got both things pretty good mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. good thank you so much thank you so much and um yeah but i'll have more stories of kind of people's different roles in in insurance and those stories that you're talking about about people and things that have happened in insurance that that has helped impact um across the world we'll get more of those as well so thank you very much thank you appreciate it